Short disclaimer. This podcast is in no way affiliated with the upcoming Outlander series or Diana Gabaldon. All views expressed are solely our own. Welcome to the Outlander podcast, where the men are kilted, the women are winsome, and the whiskey is neat. Welcome to episode 33 of the Outlander podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Summer, and we are in love with all things Outlander. For announcements this week, we usually do them in order of date they were received, but I think this week we need to do it in order of... of Bigginess. Bigginess? Okay. Importance. Importance. Or bigginess. That's probably big news. It's big news. It's big news. And I think to start with anything else would be doing us a disservice, and you a disservice. So we would like to officially say that they have finally cast Ian Murray. Ian Murray Sr. That's true. They have cast a... Scottish? Definitely Scottish. I was just going to say a gorgeous Scott. Especially that promotion pick that they used yeah, when they released it. I was nice. like, oh, good Lord. Stephen Cree, and I'm sure that that's got some sort of fancy pronunciation that I'm missing. But he is... Yes, as you said, he is Scottish. Um, He's been in several well-known movies. He's recently in 300, The Rise of the Empire. But I like this. It says he was decapitated Greek Marine was his name. Oh, that was his name. (laughs) He was young Macintosh in Brave and lots of BBC shows. There's another movie coming out this year. Um, He's in Maleficent. Yeah, he is with Angelina Jolie. I can't tell you what he is or what he is, who he is, but he's human. Well, you know, they said that, but it's it's not on his IMDb. Oh, it says Overseer. It's an upcoming because it hasn't come out yet, apparently. Anyway, lots of BBC work, obviously, and uh, some big stuff. So I'm excited to uh, find out more about him. The few things that I've looked around and seen him in, picture-wise, I haven't actually watched anything he's been in except for some short clips, like his showreel and things. He's he's, He's another chameleon. He looks different, in as many actors do in many different roles, but... The promo picture they had was either from something, obviously, or one that they did. Like, we know the pictures that they gave out gave us of Katrina were done by stars people, or at least hired by stars to give a promo picture for Claire. We know this yeah. because they were done for that. The, the picture that we saw of him may or may not have been done by them. Maybe it was, but his natural hair color is not dark. He's got much lighter hair, so he he's been colored somewhere, and that's the only thing I saw that because he looked and he looks fine as a blonde or as a as a as a light to medium I think light brown hair if it is brown, but he looks so striking as a dark haired oh for person. sure oh for sure really nice. just made his eyes pop yes so, so welcome, welcome. Steven. <laughs> we can't wait to find out more about you we got two new Instagram photos this week both were interesting to me because they showed us a little bit more of the costuming, like some really beautiful costume work. Like, seriously, the sleeves on this coat that Dougal is wearing oh are pretty gosh. pretty intense. Like, it looks like he's stolen someone else's jacket. Like, it's the cuffs from, like, a giant, and the rest of the outfit is for a normal-sized person. But it's striking, and I, I can't stop looking at it. But they're they're like a mix of, you know, action, like they're actually working, but they're also backstage, so it's like behind-the-scenes kind of shots. But this one, he's firing a very long gun inside with a lot of fluorescent lighting. It looks like that's he's got earplugs in, which is good because 
that would be very loud, it looks like. Lots of smoke. And we also got another kind of behind-the-scenes shot of Claire and Jamie in their garb. Well, I will say that this is further along in the story. This must be a more recent photo based on the length of his hair. Also, it's kind of, as Ginger said, as Ginger said, tangential. But interesting. I find it interesting, and I find it exciting. We posted this as well this week, but Game of Thrones was renewed. They literally had, they just started their fourth season. One episode of the fourth season, and after that one episode aired. Probably not after, but it was announced after, but yes. After that one episode aired, it was announced that it had been picked up and renewed for seasons five and six. So as we stated previously, Game of Thrones really is the only series out there right now that I think is really comparable to what I think Outlander will be, should be, and and hopefully is. I think that it's the only other show based on, you know, such a large series. And I think that the fact that it's been so well received and the fact that it's gone as far as it has and stayed as true to its source material speaks volumes to what we could get with Outlander and the fact that they're that they renewed after literally one episode aired of the new season that they renewed for not just one more season but two more seasons I think bodes very well for Outlander I mean we haven't even aired yet I mean I'm already like I already can't wait to see what they're going to do with successive seasons not even just I want to see the first season obviously but I'm already excited to see where these characters and these actors might take them in further seasons with the story, knowing what's to come. So, congratulations. They say to raise a glass of Dornish, but I'd rather raise a glass of Rhenish. We also got a new, wasn't really a trailer, but kind of a Stars Originals teaser that kind of showed snippets of all the different original series on Stars, and, and I'd say Outlander was very heavily featured, which was nice to see. A little bit of I, I don't was there any new imagery? I don't think there might have been one or two new shots, but for the most part I don't it was remember specifically, but it was there seemed to be a, a few more not wholly new, like, oh we haven't seen that scene or bits of that scene, but maybe a different angle or a different lighting or something of of a few bits. Nothing that is completely hundred percent new. Nope. I think nothing was totally new, but I still enjoyed watching it. We got a new lesson in how to speak Outlander, and this week, I'm going to try to take credit for it, even though that's not what happened, but, you know, I did suggest (laughs) that he pronounce his own name, (laughs) and he did this week. And Summer's going to tell you his name. Oh, God, don't do this Because she can do it. Hey. I think it's Agov. Mm -hmm. So, thank you, because I've deluded myself that he listens to our podcast. Anyway. Thank you for pronouncing your name for us, and we will do our best to try to pronounce it right ourselves from here on out. But the phrase this week was, je suis prêt. And finally, there's a new book trailer out. When did they start doing book trailers? They've been around for a few years, maybe more than a few years. I'm not anti-book trailer. I think they can be silly. They are an interesting phenomenon. They're a little silly to but, me, just in the fact that... But they, they're not going to give away plot. So they're right, not they're really, not going to give away plot, but I mean, they, it's like they're saying, hey, don't bother picking it up and reading the back jacket. Let's just watch this and I'll condense it for you. Because I've seen some, I think, that they actually have actors in them. <laughs> I think people, those like, are put, put together by fans. No, this no, no, is no, actually no, 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 by no. random not like Not like well-known actors. I just mean they have people, people in them. Like... 
if it's like a, a noir film, like they'll maybe have someone walking down an alley. Like they kind of have not just like this one was kind of scenery. It was beautiful. But a lot of times and, it's a lot of times it's a a video about a book, not necessarily a preview of a book. Right. Because in a preview, you can't really give away too much, apparently, and they didn't really give anything away at all. But it was interesting, that, especially that it was prepared by Random House, so that was kind of neat. And that is our week in review. On to our read-along. So this week, since chapter 27 is kind of brief, we decided to put 26 and 27 together. So this week we will be discussing chapter 26, The Laird's Return, and chapter 27, The Last Reason. At the end of 25, Jimmy and Claire have escaped from Krensmere and Claire's trial by water. Claire made her big decision yes. to stay back with Jamie in this time. So chapter 26, they're making their way with Donna's to Lallybrock. As they ride along, they both become more relaxed together. Claire opens up more about herself and the time she'd come from. And Jamie loves her descriptions, and I, I wrote, he's typical boy, typical male. Jamie loves her descriptions of cars, tanks, and airplanes. I thought that was so, doesn't matter what the century. <laughs> I, he, he's a dude, yeah. They avoid discussion of Frank. They do discuss Sandringham and how he's got a sharp mind, and he knows the effect his voice has on others and how it makes him appear to others. And Jamie thinks he uses it kind of his advantage to throw people off and you know if if you're born with something like that that you have no control over he could affect maybe a slightly deeper voice but it would it's something like that is it would be so difficult to keep up 100% of the time so if you have something that's natural you know you have to why not use it to your advantage if it's something that's going to be otherwise a handicap so I thought that was interesting is that and, like an if you can't beat him join him kind of attitude I don't know about join him is just well it's like laugh main, at yourself so that others are laughing about, with you as opposed to at you i didn't take it as a laugh at laugh at yourself first kind of thing what i took from it was in their discussion of sandringham both of them i believe came away especially jamie with the thought that he's he's a rather smart fellow oh yeah he's not stupid and they don't know what kind especially claire they don't know what kind of help he may be able to give them in the future. So they wanted to make sure that they kept him not in their good graces. On their side. On though, their yeah. side. Even if that meant keeping him, you know, at a distance. So they didn't... Um, <laughs> they should always keep him at well, a distance. Jamie should. Jamie definitely so should. this all came up because, of course, he had left that stag hunt with the, the Duke and others in the party to go save Claire. And what I took away from it regarding his voice and... And the whole laughing at himself thing is, I didn't take their discussion as uh, as a reflection of the Duke trying to get like laugh at himself first before he others did, or you know, kind of making fun of himself. Although that could have been in there, I took it as he knew what he sounded like, or he had an idea of what others thought about him, at least because of his voice, and he used it to his advantage. That's all. Jamie does share that he had told the Duke a little bit of how there was a price on his head, but not all the details. And Claire thinks that since they don't know when, how, or if the Duke might come in handy in the future, this is what we were saying, right. it was good to not let everything right. out. We don't want to alienate him no. prematurely. Old Alec had been the one to ride to the stag hunt to find Jamie, and then Jamie and Murta had been the ones, they left right away to go uh, save Claire, to go get Claire. Claire asks about Murta because she hadn't seen him, <laughs> and, and Jamie says, well... 
because he either got lost somewhere or was withheld. Delayed he, he was delayed. But Jamie, and so he, she's worried about him. And Jamie says, nah, there's a canty wee bird can mind for himself. <laughs> Claire asks if he's ever seen Myrta smile. And Jamie says, I, at least twice. Well, Claire saw and, him smile at least once. Well, at least once, yeah. But we find out that Myrta is Jamie's godfather, which Claire finds explains a lot of how protective he is, how... He's always by his side. He would do anything for him, etc. They also discuss Galus and how she'll likely be burned, but after the child is born. She shows Jamie, Claire, shows Jamie her own smallpox vaccination scar. And Jamie's a little bit shocked because he had seen it. I know, but I'm surprised he noticed that. because Of Galus? On Galus, because I'm sorry. How far away were they? Not even that. That time period, I'm sure they all went, boobies! Come on, she took her clothes off. Roll it back a little bit. Yes, I'm sure that, yes, that too. I'm thinking a few things. Okay, you add another one in there. So there's the boobies. There's the how far away we're there. Because that scar is not something you can see unless yeah. you're like at least, what, three feet away? I mean, you can't. they're only, ten, they're no more than an inch in diameter. No, and they're not like black or anything. Yeah. That's number two. How close were they? Number number one, boobies. Number two, how close was so distraction, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, how close were they? So I don't know if he saw it because of that. Well, they were both taken down to the water together, but then she was taken separately down over to a tree to be uh, whipped. Number three, how many times had he seen her naked and he never noticed it? Now, Claire, maybe he yeah. saw it and just thought it was something or whatever. All I'm saying is in all the stuff that we saw of the witch trial, at least the stuff that Diana includes in the book, no one ever makes a big deal. None of the... Well, there's no witch picker there, so that may have, made, may have made a difference if they had been there. But none of the judges, none of the people who were there to punish them in any way or to try them, had said it was the mark of a witch. If there had been witch prickers there to, to look at them and everything, that may have been seen. Oh, here's two women who stand accused and they have the same mark. That could have been a deal breaker in that time, right? So you have the distraction of the boobies, you have the distance, and you have the fact that Jamie... How many times had he seen her without stuff on and he never noticed that? So maybe it was a shock. Maybe he never saw it because his attention wasn't drawn to it or he just thought it was a, you know, a scar or something, but no idea what. So I thought it was a little odd that he was shocked by her scar. That's all. Yeah. Maybe the reason, and to me this means that he would have had to have seen Galus's. Maybe the reason he is shocked is because, not because Claire has one, but when she brings his attention to it, he's shocked because he then remembers or realizes, oh, I saw that on Galus. Because the next line, the next part of discussion is that they realize that Galus must have come or may have come from Claire's own time. Right. Or somewhere thereabouts. Well, definitely after After 19, exactly. So, Jamie is still shocked that Galus would kill Arthur Duncan, her husband, and he calls him, this was funny, he calls him a good husband. He said he had money, position, and he likely didn't beat her. And Claire's exasperated at his amazement that Duncan would be killed, and also at his definition of good husband. Claire laughs and says to him, if that's your definition, what are you? Exactly. <laughs> because he, he beat her. <laughs> He's got no money and he's got no position. That was very, that was right. very funny. But then he goes back and he says, I never said I was a good husband. <laughs> that's true. But Claire reveals that Arthur was poisoned with cyanide, which she explained, likely made by Galus by crushing peach pits or cherry stones. She thinks that she should have realized about Galus 
earlier, at the instant that her husband was dying. She tells Jamie all about her conversation with Gettys. Basically, everything that went on in the thieves' hole, she shared. So, Brock Tuarok, if that's correct, means north-facing tower, but there's also a valley named after it, we learn. They see, as they're riding toward Lallybrock, they see a lone rider who turns out to be a man named Jock Graham from, and this is going to be extreme butchery here, from Merch Narda or Merk Narda. Take one and leave the other. He actually recognizes Jamie and calls out to him questioningly, Lallybrock? Jamie nods and introduces Claire as Lady Lallybrock. And I always seem to forget that he's a Laird-ish and she's a Lady-ish because Lallybrock, it's, I think, most Outlander fans. Look at their time at Lallybrock that's about to come in this chapter. Especially when you go on to other books, you, they look back on this brief time at Lallybrock with, with, with fond memories. <laughs> Not that we were there, but, you know. As, I, I as, always look back on this time in the book as a fond memory. <laughs> Very much so. But still, because it's not, like, Castle Leoc, I still have a hard time thinking him being, them being Laird and Lady, or which I know is not exact equivalent of a lord, but it's, it didn't make me giggle. It was just, I don't know, a little, so formal. And Claire's, like, so not a lady. <laughs> and I don't mean that she's not a good person. I just mean she's so not a 19th century lady. No. Lady, is that better? So... Jock is a bit incredulous, given Jamie's wildness, his longer untamed hair, dirty clothing, and also Claire's leg exposed up to her knee and stained in elderberry juice. I, I hope, you know, you know, she's going to be all disheveled after this whole witch trial thing well, with rips she everywhere. She barely has a shirt. I know. Like, that's, not, that's true. They haven't just traveled. They traveled no. like for a week or something right, like that. Right, but they went straight, straight from Cranesmere. Yes, that's true. Living rough, though. Oh, way rough. And he, like, living like, off of rabbits and whatever he could buy. Buy? Buy. All they... In the neighborhood shop there around the corner in the woods. Like, all they had what was, was what he brought hunted. with him from the stag yeah. hunt, so... And then, well, what he hunted. I'm sure he hunted... Well, yeah, no, the, I'm just saying as far as, like, possessions... Oh, items, yes. ...on the, on the trip. Like, they, it's not like he had a bag of clothes to change into or... <laughs> Fair set, some, yeah. Like, dude, they must be so stinky. Oh, stink is that? Like, yeah. They smell like horses and... So Jock everything. says that the people at Lallybrock are well. He rides away, but then after he's some distance away, stops and turns and shouts, welcome home. And then keeps riding. Jock's reaction is any reflection of the people in the district or at Lallybrock. It'll be a surprising thing. They'll be surprised, but probably happy. You know, it's when you go and read these books, I always feel like Lollybrock is always idyllic. You know, with, with oh yeah, it's kind of. I like, just think of chickens running around. I know, but it's like <laughs> you think about it. It's it's like sandwiched in between awful things, and there's just this. Oh, you mean the time? Yeah, the time. I'm thinking the place. Place. Well, okay. and the place. I mean, it's like everything about the time and the place when they're at Lollybrock is so idyllic compared to everything that came before, mm-hmm. and almost everything that comes after. So it's like their little respite. Diana describes Lollybrock as. A handsome three-story manor of harled white stone, windows outlined in the natural gray stone, a high slate roof with multiple chimneys and several smaller whitewashed buildings clustered around it like chicks about a hen. The old stone brock, situated on a small rise to the rear of the house, rose sixty feet above the ground, cone-topped like a witch's hat, girdled with three rows of tiny arrow slits. 
Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this description. I just think it's she's so specific about this. So she gives them a lot to work with. We know that they're not building Valley Rock for the show. There's a manor or but there's wonder, a house that... But they have to build the little tower. The rock? Yeah. They're going to have to build that part. But I don't... It's got to be like... The, the part about the arrow slits, I'm used to seeing those like on on a castle. Like Sterling Castle has a lot of the... A lot, I've <gasps> seen a number of castles that have had... I remember when I was at Sterling Castle... Like, they have a lot of those, like, turrets and stuff with mm-hmm. those little slits in it. I cannot imagine, like, being inside of the, one of those things for, a, for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. The, how claustrophobic it, was, it felt and how, like, there was just no light. It felt like there was no air. Mm-hmm. As they approach uh, Lallybrock, Donna shies and Claire falls off. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs were almost upon her, growling, and Jamie shouts, Bran, Luke, Shias! Or that will be corrected, I'm sure. The dogs ended up recognizing Jamie once he hushed them. And Claire takes Donas and ostensibly out to some stable or whatever they have for the the horses. There were four dogs, a small brownish rat terrier, two ruffed and spotted shepherds, and a huge black and tan monster. The large one, Bran, sniffs Jamie's hand and then jumps on him and knocks him down. And then he names him. He tells Claire their names. Luke is the terrier, Elfin and Mars are the sheepdogs, and the big one, Bran, a staghound. He quotes from Fingal, an epic poem, and, and an interesting piece of Outlander trivia that I tweeted about. Did you remember that Bran's grandfather's name was Nairn? I didn't, but it's a good thing that she wrote it down, because isn't she going to be working on a prequel at some point? Oh, about, uh, about Brian and... Yeah. yeah. So it'll come back. Oh, I'm sure. I'm glad she wrote it down. What? She has a book. She made this up, girl. That's <laughs> my point. So Jamie quotes Odysseus in Greek. Like, seriously? This man. Claire is talking about Odysseus coming home to... Um, Recognized by his dog. Exactly. She didn't speak Greek. She just... She just referenced it. Referenced him. Exactly. Whereas <laughs> Jamie says, like, okay, I'm going to quote him. Like, seriously. He's a one-upper. He's, Latin, he's, like, he's, he's like the a original one, one-upper. He's a one-upper and a, a wunderkind of languages. And they enter Lalibok. They go first to the entrance hall and a small gun room and into the drawing room. Then Claire notices Jenny, quote, smaller than I expected, at barely five feet. Now, side note, I looked up Laura Donnelly's height. She's 5'4", but since Claire is epically taller, then Jenny can be taller and still be short. Agreed. Jamie is a teensy-weensy bit shorter, but to me, 6'3", 6'4", may as well be 6'4". That, neither here nor there. So she's not... There's not as huge a height difference, but it will be fine. Not a big deal. So Jamie freezes when he sees her. They embrace fiercely, and I look forward to this reunion so much. She has, according to the book, according to Diana, she has the same nose, but was dark, whereas Jamie was fair. She has black curls, and she was very pregnant. Jamie sees this and has gone white at the lips. Jenny turns to deal with a little boy who's come in. She introduces him as Wee Jamie, and Bigger Jamie is incredulous at this, that she would name the child after him. Jamie is stunned and falls into a chair, and he thinks that the child is Randall's bastard, and that she named it him, Jamie, to remind him, her brother Jamie, of his failure to have saved her. She's upset and asking him why he thinks she's played Randall's whore and he thinks she's talking around the whole thing. He says that they should be leaving him and Claire and he shouldn't have come and Jenny says, no, you will stay and hear exactly what happened between Randall and and myself. 
Jamie turns to face a window to avoid looking at her or to and to avoid hearing her tell the story. And she goes to him, reaches under his kilt, and grabs his bits. Then, another great line from the books, Jenny says, There's men as are sensible and beasts as are biddable. Others you'll do nothing with unless you have them by the bullocks. So true. This entire scene, it has to be in there. I mean, because we, she has to reveal that what she reveals about her pregnancy, her first pregnancy and her current one, we have to find out how much or how little Randall was involved in either. So this has to be in there, she, her explanation. I just hope to keep the balls bits in there. Jamie is shamed. Jamie says he is shamed in front of Claire. And Jenny says she isn't familiar with his bits since he's been old enough to wash himself. But I, they've grown a bit, no? She's like, they're considerably bigger. <laughs> and then we get to see one of the finest tiffs between brother and sister. Basically, Jamie's pride over his sister's losing her virtue, etc., is hurt still. And she calls him a ninny for preferring his death, his father's death, and the land's gone over her whoring herself out. If, indeed, that was what happened, which, did, which is not what happened. She uses words like ninny, grateful, etc. And as a reader, I picked up on the inequality of their level of upset. He's upset because of her lack of care for their, supposedly, for her family's honor. And she's upset because he thinks so little of her. And that he won't think beyond that one thing. Her honor, or the family honor. It seems as if there's something else to the story. Well, let's not forget the fact that... Dougal told him that she had taken up with an English soldier. Yes. So he's operating... Dougal has stuff going on, right, too. He's operating under some... some Misguided. Misconceptions. Yes. So he calls attention to her shape and calls her a mad toad, and then she slaps him across the face. And Claire is watching this, thinking it's interesting. She slips out into the yard and sits on a bench and looks around and notices gardens and roses and... She looks around at different building, buildings on the estates and identifies each of them, including the brew house. And while outside, Claire sees a man limping badly, approaching the house. He is described as youthful, in his 20s, tall but thin, to the point of skinniness. He has thick brown hair, a high brow, deep-set brown eyes. And hearing the fight inside, the man says, Ah, Jamie's home then. <laughs> he introduces himself as Ian Murray, Jenny's husband. Claire introduces herself as the Sassanok wench Jamie's married. And news of their marriage had gotten around. A secret, he says, is not kept long in the Highlands. And Ian says they'd learned that Dougal had forced the marriage, but Jenny said Dougal wouldn't be able to make Jamie do something he didn't truly want to do. So, there's that. And we already know that he's not right. against Well, her. they're both stubborn, and that's oh, evidenced well, yeah. by the argument they're having, where they're both basically arguing... False things to each other. And Ian tells Claire that how he lost his leg at Daumier with Fergus, Nick, the D-H in Adam is G. So I'm going to say this might be G. So, and L-A-O in Leak is Leak. So Leagus, I'm going to guess, Fergus, Nick Leagus. Oh, that could be totally wrong. By grape shot. She offers a remedy that he hasn't tried for the pain, and he's like, oh, okay, that, that, that's interesting. She's people. all rub on him. Oh. Well, trying to help them out. Got it. Old Alec. First old Alec and then him. They go inside. Ian takes the boy, wee Jamie, and goes into the kitchen. I considered it a type of shield at first, and then I read on and realized that he was giving it not as a shield for himself, but as a way to insert something into the fray so that it would bring the tension down a little bit. They weren't listening to each other. Exactly. That's the big thing. They weren't listening. And I think that her saying... 
that what he thought happened didn't happen was not enough. And they needed, like, he needed to see the proof of, uh, of, see, of I, the fact that I, this, I know that's in there. I mean, it comes in there and he brings, or someone brings their attention to it. When I was reading this again recently. Well, you have to remember that Ian was his best friend growing up. So he knows, he knows Jamie just as well, if not better, than, than Jenny does. Mm. In a different way. In a different way. way, exactly. So they go inside. Ian takes the boy into the kitchen. And Jenny takes the boy from him. She tells Jamie the boy is two years old and that he was conceived six months after Randall was beating him, Jamie, in their front yard. Jamie doesn't believe her. And Ian says he's the father of her unborn child and we Jamie. And that they're married. And then Jamie's, oh it was kind Seriously. of you to take her in this, in her soiled state. It's like, and Jamie, Jenny, and rightly so, Jenny's like, oh, you bust. Jenny flips out and Ian takes Jamie aside and says, yes, well, she was a virgin on our wedding night and I have reason to know. Dude, and the fact <laughs> that he, he threatens to bring down the, the sheets, sheets. The oh, sheets from the bed, Lord. that kills me. And I love Goodness. that after that, and he still doesn't believe her, she's like, fine, go, go get the get sheets. Him. And then he's like, no, he's like, no, 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 we're good. So Ian takes Jenny and sits her down, as does Claire with Jamie. And then I also thought to myself, how long do they keep those? Oh, do they gosh. really keep those forever? I don't know. Maybe Nasty. maybe they burn them when they die. I don't know. Burr. When asked whether or not she's glad to see Jamie and his wife, Jenny answers, depends. Jamie wants to know how Randall knew about the mole on her breast if he'd not been intimate with her. And she says that she kicked him in the groin, so how would he be able to perform so soon after? She asks him if he'd be able to perform his husbandly duties after such a kick. And he says, depends. (laughs) (laughs) And his mouth twitches. So you know with... Diana uses that a lot throughout every single book. When she describes someone as having a mouth or a lip twitch... It's always with, almost always with laughter. Hmm. The tension has begun to be broken. Jamie looks almost amazed, hopeful that indeed his sister is telling the truth. And she tells Ian, oh, go get the sheets. <laughs> and, he's, and he stops him. <laughs> After all his talk, meaning his threats and everything in front of everyone, Randall had to say he'd had his way with her. He had, though, beaten her and ripped her bodice, so that's when he'd seen the mole. Jamie accepts this, but asks her, did you know when you went with him that he wouldn't harm you? And she hesitates and shakes her head no. So she knew that there was a chance something could have happened. Then she makes an important point, one of the most beautiful things Diana writes. And if your life is a suitable exchange for my honor, tell me why my honor is not a suitable exchange for your life. I do inadvertent accents. (laughs) I don't do accents typically on purpose. Then Jamie apologizes, and Jenny is silent, and she ends up asking him to take off his shirt. He refuses, and then he acquiesces, and she looks at his scars, asks him if he cried, and he says yes, and she says she did so too every day since he was taken. And that ends chapter 26 and on to 27, which is rather short. The next morning, they wake up, I wrote late-ish, and the men went around the estate doing general jobs. Jamie and Ian go outside as well, leaving Jenny and Claire some time to talk to each other. And they do, but it's kind of, it's pretty surface stuff, right? Well, it's pretty light. Still, they're still, still feeling, feeling each, other each other out. out. They spend the day together, Jenny stitching and Claire winding up and sorting yarn. Diana gives a beautiful metaphor of threads interlinked, 
with Jenny and Jamie's forever intertwined, Ian's also there, having been there for a long time, and Claire's thread being quite new and wondering how patterns would clash. And Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I love that imagery. So we find out Jenny's been running the house since her mother died when she was 10. And even more so since her father passed. And their talk had an underlying current to it, which Diana uses italics to lay, to lay out. And I wonder if they'll do this as... This is what you were referring to. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do this as a voiceover. And that's what you were alluding to. Right. Or speaking of. And I, I hope they keep that. Or something of that. Because well, they'll have to find a way to do it. I don't know how they would do yeah. that. Because you don't want it to be cheesy. And that's... No. <sighs> voiceovers and things like that can go from... Well, Powerful and moving to super ass cheesy. Haven't they already? Not that nothing else will exist, but haven't they already said pretty much that Claire will be doing some voiceover? Well, like I said, some voiceover I know when that. used appropriately can be but, very effective. But this is different. Claire is the whole book. Claire, this is her story. You almost have to have, even though they're going to do well, as much as they can. It's true, but you don't want it to turn out to be like a sitcom. Where, you know, everyone looks over, and then there's the, the random voiceover, and then people look at the other people, and there's another no, voiceover. I'm not even thinking of, like, a voiceover in the present. I'm thinking of, as they enter, not for this scene, but I imagine in general, it would be more like, like a Grey's Anatomy voiceover. Yeah. Where the, the, the time I spent with so-and-so was right. blah, blah, yeah. That's or a scene, when a scene starts, or I mean, a there big has part to be voiceover to a degree, because the whole thing takes place... From Claire's point of view. That's what I'm saying. So I expect a lot. If whatever voiceover we get, I expect. I'm not gonna put a number to it, but it to be heavily done by Claire. I mean, because she's this is her story. I, I expect it to be almost completely only. Done That's by what I mean. Claire, so so I don't know if this would be both or either or voiceover at all. And on we go. So the rest of the ice. Seem to be melted between them when Jenny drops the garment on the floor and Claire picks it up for her. Someone comes in and says that wee Jamie's missing and they go outside to find him. And, and he was taking a wee. Well, yeah, but <laughs> she tells Claire about the different parts of the estate. They find wee Jamie with big Jamie talking about <laughs> taking a wee. Jamie's trying to show him how to wee without being on himself, <laughs> on his feet. But I love that they're like... He's telling him how to do it, and then, one is it Jamie or Jenny or Claire? One of them is like, why don't you just show him? They may have the language in the series. They can't show this of a little well, boy that, to do they that. They wouldn't show it, but they could definitely show them from behind. From behind? Like, walk up oh, to yeah. them while they're doing it and talk about it. Nobody, I'm sorry, They people generally only use nudity in Love a sexual ma- nature or That's in a true. clinical nature. That, Nobody to wants to watch peeing. people pissing. Like, you hear me, no. stars? No, no pissing. I don't think they would. They And even if someone is tinkling, that's going to be from the back. And then mm-hmm. a sound effect. Okay, so the next day, Jamie shows Claire on the house. It was built in 1702. Lots and lots of paintings line the hallway, the stairwell, and most were of their family. Jamie's mom had painted one of Jenny. And so this is the first we hear in this book, I think, about Jamie's mom being autistic. Artistic. artistic. I was like, did you just say autistic? Artistic. Is it better to say artist? An artist? An artist. Jenny loved birds. So that reminded me of Column. Mm. So Jenny loves birds. And would he, if someone, if she found one that was uh, hurt in, in a way that she could try and fix, or if someone brought her uh, animals, or I guess mainly birds, she would heal them and then befriend them and they would eat, or eating out of her hand. And so she was, in, there were birds in this image of, in this picture of her that her mom painted. And I thought immediately of Snow White. <laughs> right. Oh, no, that's actually Cinderella. 
Cinderella's with the birds. I think they both. I mean, all they of, both. Okay. All of like the early Disney, Disney movies were into included them birdies at least one shot birds. of the princesses out in the woods. Yes, singing to birds. There you go. Summer just did a little Snow White hand, whatever. When I thought of the birds and of the alabaster skin and the dark hair, I thought Snow White. Yeah. And Laura Donnelly is oh for sure. Oh my gosh, she's she's just oh she's so gorgeous. Okay. Another painting was of Jamie with his older brother Willie and Nairn, Bran's grandfather. Jamie, they say, was about two, and Jamie had already told Claire about the wee snake he kept in his sporran given to him by Willie on his fifth birthday. <laughs> Sawney, his pet name, Willie's pet name for Jamie, or at least, maybe others too, but specifically we hear that he called him Sawney, was scratched into the underside of the snake. That is such a random nickname for Sonny? Alexander. No, because it Sandy... Is Sandy is from Alexander, and Sonny is not far from Sandy. But I don't think Sandy should be from Alexander either. Well, in Russian, Sasha is from Alexander. Sasha is closer to Sandy or I'm, Sonny. And I would argue that that is also a random a random nickname Alex- for okay. Alexander. So Jamie goes on to say how fond he was of Willie. And that <laughs> That's he, a terrible phrase. His brother Willie. I know. And that he followed him every, everywhere. Then Jamie tells her that there was one main reason he married her, which was... Or the, oh, my God. This whole... The last... This whole last and I, I didn't do a lot of the details about the funny part of the scene. This, this we know is in there. Oh, well, this is in there. And this because is this one is of... Because this is one of the audition things, right? No, This is one of Meryl's favorite scenes. Oh, in the book? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Then, yeah. So then Jamie tells her there was one main reason he married her, because he wanted her more than anything he'd wanted in his life. Before we get any further, when you just read that you want someone, that either means possession or lust. So far, that doesn't necessarily mean love, right? Because who knows? But let's go on. He remembers his dad saying, and we have heard him say this before, or no, sorry, he was telling Hamish this, remember? Mm -hmm. He remembers his dad saying that he would know when he'd found the right woman when he found her. And Jamie tells Claire, and he did. And this was part of the line. There's much more than this, but this is part of, part of the beginning of the line of him explaining how he knew she was his love. When I woke in the dark under the tree on the road to Leak, with you sitting on my chest, cursing me for bleeding to death, I said to myself, Jamie Fraser, for all you can see what she looks like, for all she weighs as much as a good draft horse, this is the woman. <laughs> And then he goes on to tell her the rest of his inner dialogue, and there's, they have conversation between themselves. Mostly with, with her chasing him around yes, the room. Yes, that's true. And, and, it, and him busting a, gut, busting a gut, trying not to laugh, yeah. Or he's laughing. For all she's a sassinac bitch, with a tongue like an adder's, with a bum like that, what does it matter if she's a face like a sheep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... Oh, my goodness. They have... They have to keep this scene in there. Of course they do. So if They will. Meryl loves it. That's true. Seeing how busy the estate was, and with she and Jamie being put to full use, Clara understands about, for this time period, on a working estate like this, how important it is, or how wrong or how bad it was, when someone was basically playing hooky or goofing off. When you have so much work to do, and it's such... Life depends on everyone participating and getting things done... If someone is lollygagging or playing around or, or lollybrocking, not, <laughs> lollygagging, or not pulling their weight, yeah, people don't eat. 
people don't get clothed, it can really have an effect. So she understands how, I shouldn't say religions, basically, but she says she understands how communities could come up with such thoughts, idle hands are dangerous, right? When you're not helping out, because it truly does take a village, it takes a community to handle everything that needs to go on. Pre-industrial earth, I guess. So they share a moment that evening, Claire watching the evening sky, and Jamie says that he hadn't told her of his last reason before because he'd had his pride, and also he didn't want to burden her with it, when it was plain that she'd honor the vows she made even though she hadn't wanted to make them. He also had a really funny comment where he was like about how he, their wedding night, about how she... She was only, you know, with him because, you know, it was duty and honor and this, that, and the other. And he goes, well, at least the first time I do have my pride. And that is the end of that. Chapter 26 and 27. 26 and 27 complete. So join us back next week when we discuss chapter 28. And we have a couple special guests joining us who are very nice and also who we think are funny. Well, they're funny, but they're so informative. Like, seriously. Everyone we have on is informative. But yes, we enjoy all of our guests. Thank you for listening as always, and we look forward to our next episode. Visit our website at www.outlanderpod.com Follow us on Twitter at OutlanderPod Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash outlanderpod or email us at outlanderpod at gmail.com Last night, that my young.